this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we are rolling right along in our adventures in Acts with Almost Persuaded. Paul sails for Rome, a fateful decision, Paul's I told you so, and approaching land. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
open my lips. O God, to deliver me. sanctified us in the true faith. sanctified us in the true faith.
Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under doom, gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. With the exception of two verses, this may be the first time that an entire book of the Bible was read for the morning worship. Beloved, being very eager to write to you of our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Jude, verse 2. The family of Mary and Joseph may not have been as perfect as we would like to think. Things began to go downhill when the oldest of the five brothers left the family business and began preaching about the coming of the kingdom of God and left no doubt that he would be its head. Instead of concluding his inaugural reading of Isaiah, with, this is the word of the Lord, he said that what he was reading was about him. For this liturgical aberration, he was run out of town. And so we know that it's true to this day that a preacher is never without respect, except in the congregation in which he was raised. Some went so far to say that Jesus was demon-possessed, but his family did not entirely disown a son and a brother who was making a name for himself as a preacher and a performer of miracles. His family said no more than that he was detached from reality, Mark 3:21. The Greek says he was beside himself. And wherever he went, his mother and brothers, including Jude, and maybe his sisters were not far behind. After the resurrection, his family recognized After the resurrection, his family recognized that Jesus was the God of Israel. And they participated in the Holy Communion in Jerusalem. And his family were not fly-by-night converts here today and gone tomorrow, like the seed that falls on the shallow soil and springs up for a little while and then withers away. The title of Richard Balcom's scholarly detailed book, Jude and the Relatives of Jesus, records how the grandson of Jude, the third brother of Jesus, was put to death by the Emperor Domitian. In our own Missouri Synod, we have ministerial dynasties like the family of Jesus. Reinhold, Francis, and August Pieper were brothers, as were Jack and Robert Preuss, presidents of our seminary, whose sons in turn became pastors, missionaries, and whose grandsons are still among us today. Now it is less likely that sons will follow their fathers, brothers, and grandfathers into the ministry, 
as did the grandson of Jude. And it may be time for us to ask why they don't, even though it is likely we already know the answer. If you know the stories of Cain and Abel, Esau and Jacob, and Jacob's 12 sons, you know that brothers can be as different as night and day, and that dysfunctional families are more common than not. That's the way it was with the five sons of Mary. Growing up as brothers, they slept in the same room, ate at the same table, worked at the same lathe. Growing up as brothers, they no, nobody knows more about you than your, sing, your siblings, but consanguinity is no guarantee of similar character. Apples do not fall far from the tree, but that's not true, they do. Jude knew that his oldest brother was the subject of the sentence before he added the predicate that his brother Jesus was the Christ. Jude was radically Christological. Even to say that his brother Jesus was the one who had led Israel out of Egypt, and even though they were baptized in the sea, for their unbelief, Jesus destroyed them in the desert. Jesus was savior and judge. Trivialize with the gospel and the day of salvation becomes what the old Latin hymn calls the dies irae, the dreadful day of wrath, when Sodom, when the heaven and earth, like Sodom and Gomorrah, lie in ashes. Jude sentences the preachers who lead people astray to the nether darkness. They walk in the footsteps of Cain, Balaam, and the rebellious Korah. Like fluffy white clouds, they look good. They're all gospel, but there is no law. They are devoid of the water of salvation. Of Jesus' four brothers, James was the oldest and had mastered classical Greek and laid out for the first persecuted Christians a plan of salvation for persisting in the faith. The next brother, Joseph, may have continued for a while in the family business of house building, which was a successful enterprise. Then came Jude, and like many younger brothers, he was less restrained in what he said and how he said it. He had a bit of, the jo of John the Baptist and Jesus in him, and he let the, f he let the sparks fly. He had in his scope the preachers who caroused at the love feast, which we call the Holy Communion. Religion was one hilarity after another without law, sin, atonement, and sacrifice. These preachers were theologically narcissistic, looking after themselves and not after the people. They were like waves of the sea, like opposing undercurrents in a river. They dragged people in one direction and that another. They cast up their shame like ugly foam on the shore. 
Jesus called them the chaff, which the wind drives away and then burnt. Jude calls them uprooted trees in autumn, doubly dead and incapable of being replanted. False preachers are like planets whose paths through the skies cannot be mapped, and the churches that follow them come to their doom on the rocks. True preachers of the gospel shine like the stars in the firmament and sit on the thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. In August, a major league baseball pitcher was sacked for saying certain lifestyles had destructive consequences. Inclusive language is the new orthodoxy and deviation is not tolerated. In reading through Jude, which even a slow reader can do in five minutes, we have to ask whether Jude, who spared no words in preaching the final judgment, should Jude remain in the canon? It would make little difference if Jude was there or not. It's only one page. But Jude made the first cut and he squeezed in between the three epistles of John and the book of Revelation. No matter what you think of Jude, he had credentials. His brother was the Bishop of Jerusalem, and another brother was Jesus himself. But like James, he was content in being recognized as a servant of Christ Jesus, as all we preachers are. James and Jude, both brothers of Jesus, went on to become the opposing bookend of those epistles in the canon that were not written by Paul. Jude preached judgment. Jesus brought it. Jude, Jude was not only raw and, th raw and thunder, and to be sure, he was that. Jude knew how to turn a phrase, and he gave us a benediction. Now to him, who was able to keep you from falling and to present you without blemish before the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever, amen. That was the last verse of Jude. We stand for the Te Deum.
us pray. Almighty God, you invite us to trust in you for our salvation. Deal with us not in the severity of your judgment, but by the greatness of your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Almighty and everlasting God, direct, sanctify, and govern both our hearts and bodies in the ways of your laws and in the works of your commandments, that through your mighty protection we may ever be preserved in both body and soul. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, you have safely bought, brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by your governance may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.